Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Abdul Nasser Jangda. If you enjoy and benefit from listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free with you, and your donation ensures that we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has tens of thousands of listeners. So the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting this effort is endless, insha'Allah. You never know who will be able to benefit from your contributions and donations. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Inshallah, continuing with our study of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Asirat al-Nabawiya, the prophetic biography, we have been discussing for quite a few sessions now the Hajjat al-Wida, the farewell pilgrimage of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the Hajj that he performed at the end of his life. And alhamdulillah, um, we have reached pretty much the end of this remarkable moment and remarkable event from the life of the Prophet ﷺ. When we left off in the previous session, we were talking about the Prophet ﷺ observing the day that we call Yawm al-Nahar, which is the 10th of the month of the Hijjah. And we had talked about how on that particular day, as is the tradition, of course, because the Prophet ﷺ, he performed the Hajj, that is the Hajj that we perform, Khudu Anni Manasikakum. So the Prophet ﷺ, that morning of the 10th, he returned back from Muzdalifah after Fajr, stoned the biggest of the pillars, Jamratul Aqaba. After that, the Prophet ﷺ proceeded to the sacrificing of the animals, the removing of the hair, the cutting of the hair, or shaving of the head, as the Prophet ﷺ did. <clears throat> After that, they showered and cleansed up and you know put on their regular normal clothes and so on and so forth. And then they proceeded to Mecca. They proceeded to Mecca and there they performed what's known as Tawaf al-Ifadah or Tawaf al-Ziyarah. A Tawaf in a Sa'i is done at that particular time. Um, and after doing that Tawaf in Sa'i, the Prophet ﷺ prayed Salat al-Dhuhr there at the Kaaba and then returned back to Mina. He returned back to the area of Mina, the city of tents. He returned back there and that is basically where we left off. The Prophet ﷺ for the next, that day is the day of the 10th. So he gets back on the afternoon or evening of the 10th. He spent that night in Mina. And of course, they're praying Salah and they stay there and they spend the night there in Mina. That's what the Prophet ﷺ did. The next day is known is the 11th of the Hijjah and these are known as the days of Tashriq. The days of Tashriq. These are the days of light. Also known as the days of Takbir, where the praise and the glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is said. And the Prophet ﷺ basically to summarize, the next two days, the 11th and the 12th, he stayed there. So he stayed the night of the 10th, all day 11th, including the night of the 11th, all day of the 12th, including the night of the 12th. And then he stayed for about half of the day of the 13th. 
about half of the day of the 13th. And that is the time that he spent there in Mina. The Prophet ﷺ for people, as the Qur'an says, فَمَنْ تَعَجَّلَ فِي يَوْمَيْنِ فَلَا إِثْمَ عَلَيْهِ The Qur'an gives a concession that if somebody wants to depart on the afternoon of the 12th, then they are allowed to do so. So many of the people who lived further away, the Prophet ﷺ told them, y'all are more than welcome to start departing and heading out on your way. But nevertheless, the gist of it is the next two and a half days, three nights, two and a half days, were spent at the place of Mina. Now what was done exactly there? There are three things that I'd like to talk about. What the Prophet ﷺ did during those three days. Number one, was that of course the five times daily prayer, which goes without saying, that's very obvious. But nevertheless, the five times daily prayer were offered there with the Prophet ﷺ leading this huge, beautiful congregation of his companions and the believers there at the place of Mina. Number two, there's a very specific tradition that is fulfilled on the 11th, the 12th, and if you end up staying till the 13th, on the 13th as well. The tradition is that that place that I had referenced earlier where there are three pillars, kind of symbolizing three places where Ibrahim, the Prophet Abraham, he rebuked and repelled shaitan. When God had commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son, and Abraham was taking his son for the sacrifice, Ismail. And shaitan came to him at three points, trying to dissuade him, to delude him. And Ibrahim salam at each of those three places, he repelled him and rebuffed him and rebuked him. And those three places became marked as these pillars where when we go for Hajj, we basically toss seven pebbles at each of those three pillars, symbolizing removing shaitan's influence from our lives. As Ibrahim salam on that fateful day had repelled the shaitan at those three places, and the shaitan's negative influence, he had refused it. We also, to mark the hajj, we go to each of the three pillars, toss seven pebbles at each of them, symbolizing once again that we are removing shaitan's influence from our lives. And we won't give in to the shaitan. So on the 11th, the 12th, and if you end up staying till the 13th, on the 13th, all three days, the Prophet ﷺ waited until it was time for dhuhr. As soon as it was time for dhuhr, the Prophet ﷺ prayed Salatul dhuhr, and then he went, walked there to where the three pillars are, and then he tossed seven pebbles at, each, at, at all three of them. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Right? Bismillah, Allahu Akbar. So the Prophet ﷺ did that. And so that was the second activity, the second tradition, the second rite of Hajj that was fulfilled during those two and a half days, three nights. That every each of those days, 11, 12, and 13th, right, after, right as soon as the sun began its decline, moved from its zenith, Zawalu Shams, the Prophet ﷺ prayed dhuhr, and then he went to go toss these pebbles. Seven times each at eat all three of them on all three days. The third thing the Prophet ﷺ did during these three nights and two and a half days, 11, 12, 13, was that the Prophet ﷺ, 
on each of the days, he addressed the believers. For lack of a better um, kind of, you know, uh, way to explain it, the Prophet ﷺ basically gave a lecture on all three of these days. He gave a khutbah. The, the, the ruat, the narrators, the, the scholars of the tradition, they basically mentioned khatab al-Nabi ﷺ fi mina fi ayami mina. The Prophet ﷺ addressed the Muslims, the hujjaj, the people that were there for hajj. He addressed them and gave them a lecture all three of the days. And we have some accounts of what the Prophet ﷺ mentioned on these days. Imam Bukhari, rahimahullah ta'ala, also Imam Al-Tirmidhi, they have one narration from Abdullah ibn Abbas, where he says that on the day of, on the 11th, the first whole day that they spent there in Mina, after the Hajj, on the 11th of Dhul-Hijjah, the Prophet ﷺ, he addressed the Muslims. And he said some of the things that were very similar to what he had said during the main khutbah of the Hajj, Hajjatul Bida, which was in Arafat, where he asked them, what kind of a day is today? What kind of a month is this? What kind of a place is this? And they said, it's a sacred day, a sacred month, and a sacred place. And then the Prophet ﷺ reiterated the important um, theme and, and teaching of our religion, and that is that the life, the property, and the dignity, the life, the property, and the dignity of every single person is even more sacred than this day, this month, and this place. And after imparting that, the Prophet فَأَعَادَهَا مِرَارًا He repeated this a number of times. The life, the property, the dignity of every single person is sacred. The life, the property, the dignity of every single person is sacred. And after re repeating that, <clears throat> he said, Allahumma hal ballaghtu. Allahumma hal ballaghtu. The Prophet ﷺ then raised his hand, head to the sky and he said, Oh Allah, I have conveyed the message. Oh Allah, I have conveyed the message. And then the Prophet ﷺ turned to the people and he said, Now it is the job and the responsibility of each and every single person who heard this message to take it to those, to those people who have not yet heard this message. All of y'all that are here have to take it to everybody else. Then the Prophet ﷺ, or so the Prophet ﷺ in this way, he addressed the, the Muslims, the people performing Hajj on that particular day. Similarly, there are narrations that on the second day that they were there, the 12th, the 12th day of the Hijjah, that day the Prophet ﷺ once again gathered the Muslims and he addressed them. And I forgot to mention, the time of the day the Prophet ﷺ would give this lecture, is that he would give this lecture after Fajr. So they would, the Prophet ﷺ of course would wake up before Fajr and do his night worship. The believers would all wake up, everyone prayed Fajr. After Fajr, the Prophet ﷺ stayed for some time, continued to make the dhikr and the remembrance of God until the sun 
rose, and then once the sun had risen, the Prophet ﷺ addressed them. And that's the time of day that he gave this particular lecture. So on the 11th, he gave the lecture as I just mentioned it. On the 12th, the Prophet ﷺ also gave a lecture, the morning of the 12th. And the Prophet ﷺ, some of the things that he mentioned were, in another narration, it says in the, in the, in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, and the Sunan of Imam Nasa'i, uh, it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ said, he said, there are four things I warn you about. There are four things I need you to be careful about, mindful of. Number one, لا تشركوا بالله Number one, never ever associate any partners with God. Don't do it. Number two, Never unlawfully and unjustly take a life or take a soul. It says unlawfully or unjustly because there's obviously exceptions such as combat and warfare, self-defense, so on and so forth. But do not unjustly, unlawfully take a life. Number three, Do not engage in adultery and fornication. Stay away from uh, the sins of adultery and fornication. Number four, Do not steal. Do not engage in thievery and stealing. The Prophet ﷺ, on that particular day, it's also mentioned the Prophet ﷺ emphasized something very, very powerful. In the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, a Sahabi says, whose name was Jarir, that the Prophet ﷺ said to me, he said, Ya Jarir, istamsit in nas. O Jarir, get everyone's attention. Tell them to be quiet. Listen, tell them to listen. Because there was a lot of people. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he said, لا ترجعوا بعدي كفارا يضرب بعضكم رقاب بعض. He said, do not turn your back on God after I am gone. Don't go back to disbelief after I leave. يَضْرِبُ بَعْضُكُمْ رِقَابَ بَعْضٍ That some of you are trying to kill others. And this can be understood two ways. That number one, the Prophet ﷺ is giving two pieces of advice. Do not turn your back on God after I'm gone. And number two, don't turn on each other. But another way to understand it is, do not turn away from Islam after I'm gone by going after each other. Meaning what? That if you turn on one another and you attack each other and you try to murder each other, that will erode your faith and take you to the steps of disbelief. So be very careful. The Prophet ﷺ in this in these lectures, he also mentioned, he said, He said, no one should commit aggression against their children. I mean, do not abuse your children. Nor should a child commit aggression against their parents. Meaning what he's emphasizing here is that the family is sacred. And the bonds of family are sacred. 
And one of the most sacred relationships is the relationship between parents and children. And that should never be violated. Because the way a gauge of people truly having lost their fitrah is when they no longer respect, when they no longer have any regard for the relationship of parents and children. That's why the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith of Jibreel, he says one of the signs that the end of times has come, that the child will treat their parents like servants. A child will treat their parents like a servant or a laborer. No respect. And it's the sacredness of that relationship. But that goes both ways, just to emphasize. Because we hear quite a bit of emphasis upon how important it is that children, and by children I just don't mean minors, I just mean sons and daughters, even if you're an adult. We always hear the emphasis that sons and daughters, people need to remember to respect their parents and cherish their parents and cherish that relationship with their parents. But the Prophet ﷺ first said it the other way. It's also very important for parents to cherish their children and to treasure their children and to cherish the relationship with one's child. Never violate that. Never sully that relationship. Never betray the trust of a child. So it's both ways. But it's very important, it's very sacred. Then another piece of advice the Prophet ﷺ gave in these lectures at Mina. He said something very powerful. He said, Allah, listen very carefully, he said, إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ قَدْ يَأِسَ أَنْ يُعْبَدَ فِي بَلَدِكُمْ هَذَا Shaytan knows that he will never be worshipped again in this land. What he means by that is shirk. Shaytan has given up hope of ever reclaiming his throne in this land. He knows he will never reign supreme in this land. People will not worship him in this land. Because once people have found Allah, they found the oneness of God, they found Tawheed, they found proper worship of God, they won't go back to worshiping idols. And I've talked about this before. I'll reiterate here again that even the most troubled Muslim, even somebody who is just really struggling with the practice of their religion, they're involved in all types of you know, activities that they should not be involved in. But if you try to suggest shirk to that person, they'll be deeply offended, profoundly insulted. How could you? I'm a Muslim, I worship Allah. That's the beauty of Tawheed and the oneness of God. He said, however, shaitan is tricky. He says, however, shaitan has settled. Shaitan has an alternative plan. He has a plan B. What is shaitan's plan B? Shaitan's plan B is that if you won't worship idols and you won't worship him, then he's, he's fine. But what he's going to do is, he's going to try to dissuade you in all the other things in your life. 
The things you take for granted. You miss a prayer here and there. You forget to, you know, do what you're supposed to do. You engage in some backbiting. You tell a lie. You disrespect someone. You, you know, siphon a little money here where you're not supposed to. You lie to somebody about some transaction when you're not supposed to. The quote-unquote little, little things. And again, the Prophet said it very beautifully. He didn't call them little things. He said the things you overlook. Because they're not little things. Lying's not a little thing. Lying's a big thing. But it's things you take for granted. Things you overlook. And that's what shaitan does. Shaitan kind of... Shaitan won't go and steal from the main pot. What he'll do is, he'll start siphoning off from the side. So you don't see. But then what happens? A little while later, he's emptied out everything. And shaitan's tricky like that. So that's what the Prophet ﷺ emphasized here. That you need to be very cautious. You need to be very, very careful. So the Prophet ﷺ gave these particular talks and lectures. On the 12th day, and even on the next day, the 13th day, the 12th day the Prophet ﷺ told those folks who lived further away, had a long journey ahead of them, فَمَنْ تَعَجَّلَ فِي يَوْمَيْنِ فَلَا God has given you the concession, you may leave early. That's fine. You don't lose out anything. You may leave early. So when people were leaving, they gathered together, they came to the Prophet ﷺ, and they said, مَاذَا تَعَهَدِ إِلَيْنَا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Oh Messenger of God, please give us some advice. Give us some parting advice. Listen to the beautiful advice of the Prophet ﷺ. He says, أُعْبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ Be devoted to your Lord. وَصَلُّوا خَمْسَكُمْ Pray five times a day. وَصُومُوا شَهْرَكُمْ Fast in the month of Ramadan. وَأَطِيعُوا ذَا أَمْرِكُمْ Cooperate with the people who are in charge. Like work with your leadership. Don't be a rebellious people. Be an organized people. تَدْخُلُوا جَنَّةَ رَبِّكُمْ and you will all enter into paradise. See how beautiful and succinct, how simple yet profound. He said, be devoted to your Lord, pray five times a day, fast in the month of Ramadan, and be cooperative with your leadership and you'll all go to paradise. That's all it takes. And that was how profound the advice of the Prophet was. There are some narrations which describe that these days on the 11th, the 12th, and 13th in the morning, when the Prophet ﷺ, after the sun had risen, when he would address the people, how beautiful of a scene it was. Imam Abu Dawood and Imam Nasa'i rahimahullahu ta'ala, in their sunan, in their books of hadith, they mention that a sahabi, Rafi bin Amr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says, رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ I saw the Prophet ﷺ, I still remember, I can still picture him addressing the people after the sun had risen. The Prophet ﷺ had a gray-colored donkey. He had a gray-colored donkey. And the Prophet ﷺ was sitting on the back of the donkey. Because it's easier to sit on a donkey than a camel. And the Prophet ﷺ was 63 years old. So that's why he was sitting on this donkey. 
And because again, the Prophet is 63 years old and there's literally over a hundred thousand people here. The Prophet was talking, but again, not everyone could hear him. And Ali radiallahu ta'ala was almost like the interpreter of the Prophet Meaning, the Prophet would say something and then Ali radiallahu ta'ala was standing a little bit further ahead and then he would repeat what the Prophet said very, very loudly so that more of the crowd could hear. And وَالنَّاسُ بَيْنَ قَائِمْ Some people were sitting nearby. Some people who were further out on the edges, they were standing. Everyone was glued. Everyone was leaning in. Everyone was listening. Eventually, the crowd was so big that people on the further edges were having trouble hearing even what Ali was repeating. He, would, he was standing about a little bit ways away and then he would listen to the Prophet The Prophet would pause. Ali would then repeat it very loudly. But even then there were people all the way at the edges who couldn't hear. So the Prophet is very beautiful. He specifically asked, is there anyone here who participated in Badr? Is there anyone here min ahli Badr? Who participated in Badr? Because they were senior, they were veterans. They were veterans. So some Sahaba raised their hands, yes, we are the people of Badr. And then he said, if y'all can get up, y'all can go further, deeper into the crowd. And then when you hear what Ali repeats from me, then Ali will repeat from me, he will pause, you hear from Ali, and then you repeat it on. And he says it was just the most beautiful thing. Watching. The Prophet ﷺ addressed the Ummah. So in this way, the Prophet ﷺ, he stayed those days in Mina. As I said, they were praying five times a day, going after Dhuhr every day to throw the pebbles, the, the stones, cast the stones at the three pillars, the Jamarat. And every morning after the sun had risen post-Fajr, the Prophet would then address the people and he would essentially, what, we, what you can call, give a lecture to the people. When these days were over, the Prophet ﷺ, one of the things before I forget I wanted to mention, it is during these days, the 11th, 12th, and 13th, when they were in Mina, it is during these days that Abu Bakr al-Bazar, Imam Bazar mentions in his Musnad that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Abdullah ibn Umar, he narrates that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed upon the Prophet ﷺ the surah of the Qur'an, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَجْرِ إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَجْرِ That when the help of God comes and the victory from Allah has arrived, and you see people flocking into the religion wave after wave. Then praise and glorify your Lord and seek His forgiveness. Definitely He is one who is extremely forgiving and accepting of the repentance of people. And the Prophet ﷺ, when this was revealed, and the Prophet ﷺ recited it to the believers there at Mina, at Hajj. 
The companions say that فَعَرَفَ أَنَّهُ الْوِدَاعِ The Prophet ﷺ realized when this surah came down, he realized at this moment that when we look back, we're able to remember, he realized that this was his farewell. This was his farewell. And this was the notification from Allah that this is basically the end and now it's time to wrap things up. After this on the 13th, when all these rites of Hajj had been fulfilled, the Prophet ﷺ, the remaining believers, many had left on the 12th, he gave them instructions of what to do. And then on the 13th, the Prophet ﷺ himself, along with the remaining Hujjaj, the people performing Hajj, he took them and explained to them what to do next. And what they did was, they went back to Mecca. From Mina, they went back into Mecca. They went to the Kaaba. And they performed a tawaf, a circling around the Kaaba seven times, praying to rakahs, drinking zamzam, that is known as tawaful wida. Tawaful wida. The farewell tawaf. This is the way to conclude one's visit to the Kaaba and bid farewell to the house of God. So they performed the farewell tawaf at this particular moment. And after that, the Prophet ﷺ and the remaining believers departed. And what's remarkable is, once again, as I mentioned at previous you know, moments from the life of the Prophet ﷺ, like Fathul Makkah, the conquest of Makkah, two years prior, or, or a year prior to this, or two years prior to this, excuse me. When the Prophet ﷺ was done, when they had, came from Fatu Makkah and then they had to go to the Battle of Hunayn and Ta'if and then when they came back and they did Umrah, as soon as he was done with the Umrah, he left Makkah and went back to Medina. Similarly at Hajj, the 13th, he came back to the Kaaba, he did the Tawaf al-Wida and then he departed from Medina. He didn't stay longer. Not because he didn't want to, but because, remember I mentioned this previously as well, he had a promise to keep. He had a promise to keep. And that promise that he kept was that I will always come back home to Medina. And they departed at this time. One of the things that I wanted to, couple of the things I wanted to mention here about the journey back. One very beautiful narration that is mentioned by Imam Tirmidhi, that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says that, or, or the student of Aisha and her nephew, Urwa, he says that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, whenever she would visit the Kaaba, whenever she came for Hajj or Umrah, أَنَّهَا كَانَتْ تَحْمِلُ مِنْ مَاءِ زَمْزَمْ She always used to pack some zamzam water and bring it back with her. As we're familiar, right? We always do that. You go for Hajj or Umrah, you always bring your zamzam water back with you. So whenever she went, she always packed zamzam water and brought it back with her. And she would always remind people, pack your zamzam water. Why? When the Prophet ﷺ finished Hajj, he packed zamzam water and brought it back with him. He took some back to Medina. So that's the sunnah of the Prophet. ﷺ. So when people bring zamzam water back, that is part of the tradition and the sunnah of the Prophet. ﷺ. The Prophet, ﷺ, when he departed after Hajj, when he departed from Mecca, 
He said the following dua and supplication. Imam Bukhari mentions this in his Sahih, narrated by Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala that he said, كَبَّرَ ثَلَاثَ مَرَّاتٍ First of all, he said, Allahu Akbar three times. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Then he said, La ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lahu. There's no one worthy of worship except for Allah alone. He has no partner. To him alone belongs the dominion and to him alone belongs all praise. And he is fully capable over each and every single thing. He said that we are traveling and going back with our hearts turned to God, seeking His forgiveness and repentance, devoted and dedicated to Him, bowing our heads before Him, lowering our heads before Him, and praising and glorifying our Lord as we travel back. Sadaqallahu wa'adahu. God fulfilled His promise. وَنَصَرَ عَبْدَهُ Allah helped His slave. وَهَزَمَ الْأَحْزَابَ وَحْدَهُ And God defeated all His enemies Himself. He granted us victory. And in this way, the Prophet ﷺ, he returned back after the Hajj journey back to Medina. One of the things I had talked about previously I, and I'm going to reference it, I'm not going to go over it, all of it, because I went over it extensively previously, but I had talked about Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, how before Hajj, the Prophet had sent him to Yemen, to go there and to take care of some things. Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, ended up having to reprimand some of the people that were under his charge there, and he had to be strict with some of the people, and some of them got very upset. And they had come back and they had complained to the Prophet ﷺ. And I mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ had told them, don't complain about Ali. Do not criticize Ali. Because Ali did what's right, and number two, he's beloved to me. That whole conversation happened on the way back from Hajj. So I had mentioned it there because it was relevant there to talk about Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's experience within Yemen. But that conversation happened on the way back from Hajj, when the Prophet ﷺ said the very beautiful words, مَنْ كُنْتُ مَوْلَاهُ فَعَلِيٌّ مَوْلَاهُ If anyone says, I am their ally, then Ali must also be their ally. If anyone wants to be my friend, then Ali also has to be their friend. If anyone says they're loyal to me, then they'll also be loyal to Ali. So this was the occasion when the Prophet ﷺ said these very beautiful words about Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And then, lastly and finally, Imam al-Tabarani mentions in his book, narrated by Ka'b bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the young Ansari companion, that when the Prophet ﷺ arrived back in Medina after the Hajj journey, the Prophet ﷺ, when he arrived back in Medina to kind of, you know, uh, greet everyone back in Medina and to kind of, you know, uh, announce his arrival back into Medina, the Prophet ﷺ went to the masjid. That was always his first stop. He went to the masjid. He stood at the mimbar. He ascended the mimbar, climbed the mimbar. He praised and glorified God. 
And then he said, Ya ayyuhan nas, O people, listen. Inna Aba Bakrin lam yasu'ni qattu. Abu Bakr has never done anything to even slightly displease me or disappoint me. Abu Bakr has never disappointed me. فَعْرِفُوا ذَلِكَ لَهُ So I need all of you to remember that. Abu Bakr has never disappointed me. Never forget that. He said, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ He said, O oh people, إِنِّي عَنْ أَبِي بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرَ وَعُثْمَانَ وَعَلِي وَطَلْحَ وَالزُّبَيْرِ وَسَعَدْ وَعَبْدَ الرَّحْمَانِ وَالْمُهَاجِرِينَ الْأَوَّلِينَ رَاضٍ He said, O oh people, listen. As far as Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Talha, Zubair, Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas, Abdurrahman bin Auf, and all the early muhajirun, those people who accepted Islam back in the early days of Mecca, who sacrificed in the Meccan days, I am pleased with all of them. I am happy with all of them. فَعْرِفُوا ذَلِكَ لَهُمْ So please remember that. Recognize that. Acknowledge that for them. Remember that. He said, أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ Oh people, listen. He said, اِحْفَضُوا فِي أَصْحَابِ اِحْفَضُوا نِي فِي أَصْحَابِ He said, respect me by being respectful to my companions. Ihfaduni. It's like when you tell somebody in the old classical Arabic, Ihfadni, it means like, please remember me, be good to me, respect me, honor me. So it's like him saying, honor my memory fi ashabi, by being good to my companions. He said, wa akhtani, wa ashari. Honor me by honoring my, the people who I have married, ashar refers to one's spouses and in-laws. Because again, the spouses of the Prophet ﷺ are who? Ummahatul Mu'mineen. The mothers of the believers. The wives of the Prophet ﷺ are the mothers of the believers. So he said that honor me by honoring my wives. And their families, who are some of the family members of the wives of the Prophet Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr is the father-in-law of the Prophet Umar is the father-in-law of the Prophet And so on and so forth. There are many others. He said, وَأَخْتَانِي وَأَخْتَانِي أَخْتَانِي, of course the children of the Prophet are his family. But khatan أَخْتَان is the in-laws the spouses of one's children and their families. The spouses and the in-laws of one's children. So for the Prophet he's talking about his son-in-laws. Who were the son-in-laws of the Prophet Uthman, Ali, and their families. Uthman, Ali, and their families. So he said, honor them. And he said, لا يَطْلُبَنَّكُمُ اللَّهُ بِمَظْلَمَةِ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ لَا يَطْلُبَنَّكُمُ اللَّهُ بِمَظْلَمَةِ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ That never 
never be held accountable by Allah because you allowed someone to wrong them. Meaning, don't ever get in trouble. Forget about you harming them. Forget about you wronging them. Don't even stand by when someone else is wronging them. When someone else is disrespecting them. Don't tolerate the disrespect of my people. And then he concluded by saying, أَيُّهَا nas, O people, listen. إِرْفَعُوا أَلْسِنَتَكُمْ عَنِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Literally, a literal translation is, lift your tongue, remove your tongue from the Muslims. What that means is, do not verbally, do not criticize Muslims. Don't like verbally assault and attack people. Don't verbally, because physically assaulting someone is unfathomable. That's unfathomable. The Prophet said, Sibabun mu'mini fusukun wa qitaluhu kufrun. Fighting a believer, physically assaulting a believer, that's something a non-believer would do, a disbeliever would do. How could a Muslim ever do that? That's unfathomable. But he said, don't even lift your tongue, don't open your tongue against the Muslims. Don't verbally assault people. وَإِذَا مَاتَ أَحَدٌ مِنْهُمْ And whenever a Muslim brother or sister dies, passes away, فَقُولُوا فِيهِ خَيْرًا Then only say good things about them. Only say good things about them. There's no point in criticizing the dead. They're gone. They're with their deeds. They'll be held accountable by Allah. But you should only say good things. Number one, because that's the right thing to do. And number two, with the hope that one day, when I die, someone will maybe say a good thing about me. Instead of mentioning all my faults, they'll maybe have something nice to say about me. So the Prophet ﷺ gave this address when he arrived back in Medina from Hajjat al-Wida. And with that, alhamdulillah, bifadillah, we conclude our study of the Hajjat al-Wida, the farewell pilgrimage of the Prophet ﷺ. We're still not obviously done with the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ, but we've been studying Hajjat al-Wida for quite some time. So alhamdulillah, uh, as I always emphasize, you know, quality, and particularly for this series on the life of the Prophet ﷺ, the objective was to be as detailed as possible and to really do the best that we can, which is still not good enough, but to do as much as we can to try to really dive deep into the life of the Prophet ﷺ and extract whatever gems and lessons we can. So inshallah with that, we conclude this session.